What do you call that noise? What do you call that noise? It's the music we've been awaiting for a decade, and now it's out. Stu Rowe, Jen Olive and Andy Partridge have gone public with the three club men and their very, very wonderful eponymous four-track EP is released at the end of June. But with three such gifted musicians to choose from, what's a humble podcaster to do? There can be only one answer. Three podcasts. My name is Mark Fisher, and I'm delighted to welcome you back to What Do You Call That Noise, the XDC podcast, and the first of a trilogy of interviews. To mark the arrival of Aviatrix, Racecar, Green Green Grasshopper, and Look at Those Stars, the podcast is briefly turning from monthly to weekly. In today's episode, we'll hear from Stu Rowe. Next week, we'll be back with Jen Olive, and set your watches for two weeks' time when Andy Partridge will be our guest. But Just to tease you a little more, it's time first for our regular feature in which you, the listeners, entertain us with your XTC-inspired songs. Since the start of the year, we've heard wonderful songs from John Bicknell, Warren Butson, Christopher Underwood and Jeff Nicholson, who last month brought us the awfully noisy Drink and Dance. Now it's the turn of Joel Bell to tell us about his song, House Not House, which he recorded in the late 1980s. What do you call that noise? XTC modelled how a song could be both broken-hearted and energetic, and that really appealed to my sensibilities. The songs were harmonic, dense with images, and charged ahead like a ballad on steroids. How did they do that? packed so much, so well, into one song. And more importantly, could I figure out how to do it as well? One way I learned was to just rewrite or steal the bits off XTC records I could manage to play. What I also loved was that XTC wasn't rooted in rock idioms from the get-go. The songs weren't arranged around a bluesy guitar hook. Andy validated that you could sing over anything with a tone. Jason and the Argonauts churns over a piano scale. And for Me and the Wind, the verses are barked over a... What the hell is that riff anyway? They were, as Andy pointed out, really a pop band. Cribbing from XTC, I found a blueprint I could follow. Stumble over a musical motif that makes you feel something and then find a melody and a hook, if you can. House Not House wears its influence proudly, falling somewhere between Jason and the Argonauts and Take This Town. It also treats romantic failure as a highbrow Zen Buddhist concept, the thing-no-thing. I was fond of that. There's a number of obvious XTC-isms in this track. The snare on the fore-and of the bar, the exaggerated toms, rubbery bass, and a tumbling chromatic vocal melody that's kind of barky. This demo, for good or ill, wears the sonics of the late 80s, when my pal and I worked with what we had, a four-track tape recorder and various machines. From 1986 to 1989, there's a few dozen demos we made that were clearly plundered from XTC as we were finding our own particular style, and a few are online if anyone wants to hear them. Thanks for listening. Thanks for all you do, Mark.
it's us, not us. Don't even wanna fuss about a house, not house. House, not house. The great sensation, objects changing in relationships Don't care He remembers buying dishes Every place, a thousand wishes lie in there It's a stove, not stove And it's you, not you And it's a sink, not sink Don't even want to think about a house, not house House, not house Thank you very much, Joel Bell. You can hear more of Joel's XTC-influenced tracks on his SoundCloud page, which I'll include in the podcast information. If you're a musician and you've written something inspired by XTC in some way, I'd love to hear from you. Your music doesn't necessarily have to sound like XTC, although it could do, but perhaps it has some lyrical, thematic, rhythmic or melodic connection. If you've got something that fits the bill, please get in touch with me at mark at xdclimelight.com. My monthly shout-out is briefly becoming a weekly shout-out to the very wonderful supporters on Patreon whose donations keep the XTC podcast running. It would be great if you would join them. Just go to patreon.com forward slash Mark Fisher and decide whether you'd like to be a pink thing, a humble daisy, or a knight in shining karma. If it's the latter, I'll read out your name at the end of each episode. And if you have an appetite for even more XDC, and of course you do, remember you can buy a copy of What Do You Call That Noise? An XDC Discovery Book at xdclimelight.com. Okay, so if you hang around another week, you'll be able to hear Jen Olive saying... When it comes to music, being in the studio, you can't really do better. Andy's got, and Stu as well, they've got like... Big ears, you know, they can hear the grass grow. There's nothing that they can't hear, so you can send them anything. And if you have the patience to wait two weeks, you can hear Andy Partridge saying... Somebody normal, inverted commas, you know, here's their... And they may sing like that, but you give that to Jen and she may sing like that. And it comes back a totally different feel. And you think, that is great. Why didn't I hear it like that? Why didn't I hear it wrong like that? Because wrong is so much more thrilling. But first, it's my privilege to welcome the multi-talented Stu Rowe, mixer, producer, guitarist, bassist and keyboard player who has worked with Andy Partridge on Monstrance and Gonwards, with Colin Moulding and Terry Chambers on the Great Aspirations EP and the TC&I live gigs, with Barry Andrews on four Shriekback albums, with Jen Olive on The Breaks, and pretty much any Swindon musician you can care to name. So, Stu, welcome to the podcast. Tell us about the genesis of the three clubmen. It's a long story, this one. So me and Andy met on the set of Monstrance. So that was about the start of 2006. After that was finished, we started hanging around my studio and just kind of messing around with different production ideas and just being like inventive and just having you know having fun doing music i put some light of the eps out on ape with andy andy was on a couple three i think and around this time jen also signed to ape so she sent her album to andy to sort of finish up they worked together on it and i got to know jen as well around the same because we're both in the same situation both work with andy we all got on really well so I then sent her some tracks me and Andy had been working on, and that kind of started the process. And then Jen came over. We I played some gigs with her, played on bass, and we started working on her next album. And then she went back to America, and we had a load of bits and pieces left around on my hard drive, starts, ideas, where the three of us were just messing around in here. We thought we should form a band we call it the clubman which has since become the three clubman it all got left for a 
well, till lockdown. And then it, it was like one of them projects that everyone said when I played it, you should finish that. So I just thought, well, I've got to go. I, that was my number one thing last year. I have to get, I have to get, because I've played it to everyone who's come in this blooming place for the last 10 years. And they said, why have you finished that? And there's no real reason other than just getting on with other stuff. So. Yeah, so it's time to, time to do it. <laughs> How much stuff are we talking about? Because there are four songs on the EP that's coming out quite soon. What else is there? When we decided to do it, went through everything. There was, there was possibly an album, but not as strong as these four, really. So these four could be finished off. So I think that was that was what the decision was. It would be a a strong EP and a an Apache album that would have taken a long time to weld together but there was lots lots of starting points there was a lot of stuff going back and forth between swindon and albuquerque for a while so it's all it's all on my hard drive i'm intrigued by what you're saying that you and andy started working on material before you gave it to jen so is the genesis of all of these songs is that where they all started with with you and andy playing around with ideas yeah uh let's think um aviatrix was done just before jen came to her swindon for her first kind of little tour and to meet Andy. Now, Race Guard, second track, that's got an unusual genesis in that there was, a, on Monstrance, when that was recorded, I was kind of involved in the mixing and helping that over the line. I, I started very cheekily doing a remix of some of the Monstrance stuff and uh, found this very strange loop in 15, 16 time on a track called Torchertainment that I chopped up and made a track out of it and then sent it to Jen. She did a vocal on it, which was the vocal on Race Car. Then that came back to me and Andy. Andy said, well, why don't we rebuild the track? So he started playing the guitars that then became Race Car. So it's like back and forth, chopped up and rearranged. So it's, it kind of sounds like a band player, but it's nothing, no one's ever recorded anything hearing what else is going on. It's sort of been botched together. Um, but yeah, that that's probably the, the oldest one. Grasshopper then came. That's one. That was kind of done. I think when when Jen was here, because that's her playing guitar on Grasshopper. She put the guitar riff down. Then Andy came up with the vocal line. And look at those stars. That was uh, Andy. Uh, he spent a lot of time messing around with Mellotron loops for a while. Lots of we did Gonwards together and around that period of time. Andy Andy really got into starting with these old Mellotron loops and then writing songs based on that. So that comes from. And his sort of initial intro, then that sort of came down here. I we put it onto my system. I added some bits, and then I think Jen had gone back to America by then. So then she sent the vocals over. And that was that we only had a verse of that till about a year or so ago. That was like because it was such a good kind of hook. But we need to finish that. So they all start two thousand nine, two thousand and ten. Really, I suppose that's when they that's when they all kind of were born, and then they've been left to fend for themselves for mm-hmm. 13 years. <laughs> <laughs> and and what's fascinating about that is that it, it sounds like there, there, there wasn't a sort of formula. There, it wasn't like one person started. It was like uh, everybody. And, and it also suggests that they are genuine collaborations. It's not um, just somebody coming along and adding the, a, a few lyrics at the end. Everybody was involved all the way through. Yeah, no, it was definitely back and forth between us. And I've always, um, I mean, obviously Andy is uh, such a great songwriter. He tends to write songs with XTC where they have it all fully formed before he went into, before he went into the studio. But um, with this, Andy's such a great improviser. He's really good just coming up on stuff on the spur of the moment. So I've always recorded like that with, with people. It was back and forth between the three of us for, for quite a while, adding bits. And also I then, because I had him on the system, I got this um, quite a few sort of local musicians who pop in and out to the studio all the time so often i'd get them just to play some bits on top just improvise some bits that i could then chop up or t- took some some other songs you know just uh just to try and make them into pieces of music rather than sketches they were they were sketches and it was just working out how to finish them how to complete them um yeah just need a bit of time what surprises me slightly about that is that jen's Two albums, uh, Warm Robot and the, and the Breaks. Her style involves a lot of loops and repetitions and so on, which seem to be very prevalent here as well. So it's it, it's it's almost like the two of you are moulding yourselves to her style, uh, so that those that particular approach can work. Or is, am I wrong in saying that? The the first thing I worked on her, um, I didn't actually work on Warm Robot. That's the first thing I heard um, 
a gem was I, I used to go up to Andy's, you know, regularly when we were working on uh, Monstrous and, and after that. And he'd play me stuff people had sent him. And he played me this stuff. And I thought that it was just really interesting and quite odd. I couldn't kind of understand what... Because he does a lot of stuff in odd time signatures. But what we did at first, there was a track called Up On High, which was on the first Light of the EP I did with Andy, or the second one. And there was a big section in the middle, and I just sent it... I just basically gave Jen a big open section and said, could you do some kind of choir in there? And just would just leave it open. Then she'd send back... I think she sent back 35 vocal harmonies for, for that. That was the first thing. So it took me about a year to mix it. And then that was really sort of, we'd kind of just leave, we'd, me and Andy would get something together and leave chunks for Jen to do what she felt like in a big gap and then just send that back and then we'd answer that. So it was like a back and forth across the internet. I don't think anything was, we never actually really sat in a room and jammed. I don't think ever. I'm not sure even if that would work. It seemed to work like this, just back and forth, sketches, ideas. And, yeah, I suppose Jen, Jen is really good at um, harmonies and layers, so just give her a space and she'll stack up these bits in there. And then, you know, that's your verse. And then Andy would, like, we need a chorus. Andy would try and write a chorus. And then I'd put the bass on or a bit of guitar. Andy play some guitar, keyboards, drum. We'd, we'd all have a go at drumming, me and Andy, and percussion. So yeah, we just had fun. Just it wasn't, you know, it wasn't a serious project by any means. Just a bit of fun. <laughs> uh, and then all of you being receptive enough to each other's ideas, so that one would, you, you know, if, if somebody, it wasn't like somebody was saying, "Oh no, that's a terrible idea." You were all just sort of accepting each other's ideas. Yeah, um, I don't think anything ever got refused. Some some of the tracks, some of the ones that haven't made the EP, they're a bit, they just don't work quite so well. They're a bit more abstract and there's not more than, the, we've never got to the next section. It's like you have the first section, you've got to find a B section that somehow fits with it so you can get back to the A section. You know, trying to do stuff just totally you know, improvised makeup on, but it doesn't always come up with anything usable. But I do think you come up, you come up with some magic that way that you wouldn't have come up if you'd sort of spent ages trying to write the whole song yourself. So somewhere, I think, we've got in the middle of the three of us, which is, you know, which is quite an interesting place, I think. So, yeah. I'm really pleased with it. I can imagine that you're in a position where you don't remember who did what or where what I, one idea came from. It's just because it's sort of organically created in many cases. Yes, but files on the computer, they, they've been... Oh, there's, there's so many layers and bits and pieces. It would all be uncoverable if I went back into the files, but there's, say, Aviatrix, the 2010 version, and 2014 version, and the... I've had another look at 2018 and then 2022, and each time they've, they've sort of changed a bit. So, yeah, I don't, I can't, I really can't remember, really can't remember who did what when, but not in the order anyway. But they've, they've kind of, they just, they've kind of evolved organically. I think that was the best way to think of it. And I suppose one of the lovely things about the collaboration is that um, Andy Partridge is, is, as we know, a very distinctive songwriter and a distinctive singer, and uh, and so is Jen, and the but they seem to mesh together so perfectly with 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 you somewhere in the middle. I guess that it it seems to be a very productive collaboration from that point of view. Very right collaboration. Yeah, they're very both very very distinctive tones, but they blend together really 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 nicely. The the, the couple of times on the EP when the voices harmonise with each other, I think it works really really well. And then you've got Andy's guitar style against Jen's voice and Jen's guitar style against Andy's voice. So, yeah, it's, it's, a, it's a really interesting combination. Andy obviously likes Jen's voice because he signed her to, to Ape. So I think there's a connection in the voice. And then you've got things where it's got Jen's voice and Andy's guitar, then Jen's guitar and Andy's voice. I mean, you know, I'm sort of banging noises in the background and playing bass and, you know jolly in the whole thing along but it's a it's a nice combination of their two tones i think i can't understand why jen olive isn't as big as you know any of the distinctive pop voices of our time you know i think she's just a remarkable talent and yet seems to be completely un, undiscovered yeah i don't know either really it's the same is there's a certain game you've got to play i think to get someone out sort of like touring gigging 
being very active. And I think we're all actually, one of the things about this, we're all fairly reclusive characters. Yes. You know, and Andy famously so. I'm I'm not exactly one for the, I kind of like being down in the studio with people, you know, in the dark. And Jen is very much like she's in the, in Albuquerque in the desert. And um, none of us are particularly actually out gigging. So I think you've got to, you got to play that game a little bit to, to do it. And I don't think any of us have, have ever done that. We're not going to gig. <laughs> there's no, there's no doubt about that. We're not, we're not going to be gigging. Um, so yeah, it, I think we're just um, off the radar a bit. Uh, hopefully people will hear this and, um, you know, that should be a, we'll see. I think people will like it. I hope people will like it. Do you know that thing people often say, oh, who's the most underrated musician? And, you know, XDC are often talked about as underrated, but actually people do know about XDC. In the case of Jen Olive, I don't think people even know about her. I think it's, it, I mean, she's genuinely underrated. She's generally unknown for, some, for someone who's as fantastic as she is. You know, one of the reasons I wanted to do this was sort of like to draw attention to, you know, to Jen and, well, I think this is Andy doing pop that he's maybe not done in a while. I did Monstrance with Andy. I wasn't involved. I was only helped with the sort of mixing and that. Then we worked on Gonewoods a lot together. This is Andy in a different guise than maybe he's been in for a while. Yeah, because obviously with Andy, you can only associate him with XTC. That's not surprising. Um, but, but then he's sort of felt reluctant to call himself a solo artist, but then hasn't... Uh, and then has done a few things uh, in collaboration with other people and Monstrance being a prime example of that and and and, and then this and it's interesting for someone who um is so talented that he does still like that uh, that input from other people he sees himself as a as, as a musician who's part of a band or uh, you know part of a collaboration and not somebody who's who's going out on his own in a sort of I don't know whatever David Bowie sort of mold I think it's just, I mean, I can't speak for Andy, of course, but I just think personally, it's just more fun doing it with someone else. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. It's just the whole point of actually playing music and just bouncing off some what about this and what about that. You know, and Andy's really, I think, at his best in a room with people coming up with you know, brilliant musical ideas. And um, the, you know, the thing with technology now, we can all, everyone can do it on their own. You can sit in a room and do everything yourself, but it's not really much fun. <laughs> I <Yeah>. don't think. <laughs> no one's laughing. You can't laugh at your own gags and, you know, your own playing bores the hell out of you. And, you know, you, oh, I've done this before, I've done this before. Um, so when you work with someone else, someone's going to come on, especially for people like Andy and Jen and Bob, you're going to get people bringing in ideas for Whoa, where's that come from? It's that sideways stuff that I really, I've always really, really liked. Trying to bolt things together that should not bolt together. I, I did some work with a band called The Future Sound of London. And before I worked with them, I was very kind of traditional guitar, sort of blues, rock guitar, you know, hints of jazz, but just, you know, just played guitar really and bass. And through them, I just sort of under oh sampling by chopping that up and reversing that and putting that next to that, you come up with something that no one would have actually come up with. No one, it's not coming out of anyone's sort of experience. It's something you've created something new. So that's kind of, I suppose, that's what I brought to it. I'm just thinking because you just said asked me what I thought of the EP, and it is that exactly that combination that you're describing, where which is a, 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 the reason for being an XDC fan as well, which is that you although it doesn't particularly sound like XTC, what it does sound like is that really fascinating combination of melody. And you you were just describing how fantastic Jen does um, her backing vocals and harmonies and all of that kind of stuff. So you've got those beautiful tunes, but at the same time, you've got, uh, to take Race Car as a prime example, you've got the sort of choppy guitars and something that sounds like it might have come off a Captain Beefheart record. Or, you, you know, you've got those other roots and other um, other collisions of, of ideas and thoughts which which just keep it up really and rhythms that keep it uh really interesting all the time yeah i think that that's what we're that's i think that's the thing is it is it interesting you know does it work is it interesting and um there, yeah there's all kinds of reference but there is definitely beef art and andy's guitars and race cars definitely him doing his clanging beef art dissonance that's great but then the end is basically is life on mars it, it, that's how it is <laughs> there's all there's all kinds of references in there that I've, I, I can hear it's a sort of a journey through the 
what we like, I suppose. Everyone's just, you know, having fun. And it's nice to be doing something without any pressure of no label, no, just, just, uh, just do it for the sheer art of it, the fun, the fun of making music. I think we should talk a little bit more about you and uh, you just described yourself as being reclusive and liking being, being behind the uh, scenes. But um, for XTC fans listening to this podcast, they might not be aware about exactly how many fingers you've had in how many XTC related pies you, you've you've worked with. I think, I'm not too sure whether you've worked with Dave Gregory, but you've certainly worked with Barry Andrews, with Andy Partridge, with Colin Moulding, with Terry Chambers, uh, and indeed with um, Holly Partridge in the sh- in the She Beats. Um, and um, that gives you pretty good XTC credibility. You, 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 um, people will know who've, who, who were able to get hold of the Naked Flames live TCNI album. That's another thing that's that that you were involved in mixing. I, I can remember seeing you at the back of the the art centre in Swindon um, at the desk there. Um, uh, and you seem to be connected to every other musician. Um, have I mentioned, and also Peter Blegbad and Andy Partridge with, with Gone Words as well, you know, it's it's a fantastic, um, uh, I, I suppose, an unsung contribution to the to the post-XDC, XDC canon. But um, uh, I don't know what to, whether you find them all fertile people to work with. Well, I've actually got the full set. Very, um, I did work with Dave... I I I think I I helped master the first Tin Spirits album. A friend of mine, Mitch, oh, produced yeah. it. So I was very 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 minor involvement in that. Um, uh, but the, yeah, the, so I moved to Swindon in 1990. So I didn't 89, I think. So I kind of missed XDC by the time I'd arrived here. They'd done their local gigs. I never saw them growing up. And then when I was just involved in local music at a record shop, Andy came in the record shop once in about 1993 and I tried to sell him a Charlie Parker album, but he wouldn't, he wouldn't have it. Um, I, don't know, I, don't, I don't know if he remembers that. Um, and then uh, I just carried on doing music around Swindon, all kinds of projects, and, and got this lightest thing that was kind of me um, me just doing this with any any interesting person I found in Swindon, I just wanted to make records with them. So it's based, I just recorded, I suppose it's inevitable then that I ended up working with Andy and Barry. So what happened, I, I run a, a, a music production course at a college I've been doing for like 20, 20 years, and we got a, a studio there. So when they were looking to record Monstrance, they, they found the studio, they wanted a local studio. So that's where I met them when they came in on the first day to record that. Andy had a noisy wah-wah pedal, um, so, I, so I managed to find him a, a quiet wah-wah pedal. That was, our, that was my that was our opening discussion. And then, so then I think Barry asked me to help produce the Glory Bump sound for Streetback, and, I, and then I worked with Barry for the last for the next four or five Streetback albums until quite recently. Um, Dave, then yeah, the, then the She Beats came along. My, my son was in a band called the Alphonse, and they went on tour with the She Beats. So I got to know them. So how I did some demos with the She Beats and did some stuff with Holly, um, but of, you know, hundreds, hundreds of other musicians in Swindon as, as well. Uh, then yeah, so I mastered the Tin Spirits album about 2012, 13 maybe, and then the next thing was when Colin and Terry got together and. Um, Asked me to to firstly get involved with the help him mix the the EP, and then I was asked to sort of help run the you know organise the art centre gig. They even to the point of suggesting the art centre as a venue, and they they were really great shows. I thought really kind of moving and warm, and um, I'm sure a lot of people who listened to were there. Really, really great. Really, really great. I take. One thing I'm too proud of, I suggested the piano, ver- do a piano version of something, and then Colin came up, out with Bungalow, and I thought that was one of the highlights of the show, actually. It was, yeah, that was, you know, gro- grown men were seen to cry. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I didn't suggest Bungalow, but I, I'd done a gig there myself, and I said, it really works well in there if you just take one, take at least one song just down to nothing. And then it was, he said, what about Bungalow? It's like, perfect, wasn't it? It was just really, 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 really worked. Um then after I helped help mix it, um, I've, I've I've done a little bit of work with Terry on the um, helped help with Terry and Steve on the you know the XTC stuff as well. So I think I've just you know it's not just XTC, but you know because I'm I'm in uh, Swindon, I'm very cheap. 
um, people <laughs> people come. I tend to just do. I tend to just like working with interesting people, and they're all, you know, not like I could do a psychological analysis of all of them, but they're all very, very interesting people, aren't they? You know, fascinating. And I think working with yeah. Andy gave me, you know, some kind of credence, I suppose, within the sort of the XDC following, you know, groups, whatever. So that, you know. I'm wondering as well as I mean I suppose there's the, your your musical contribution, but also there must be something about your I don't know your personality, which means that people um, you know musicians there are a lot of egos involved, and you know people can fall out with each other. But you've managed to be as as as, as we've clearly just seen at, at the centre of 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 um, the whole XTC universe really in recent years, um, and and presumably that's because you're good at getting on with people. I've enjoyed doing music with all of them. They're all fan- they're all fantastic musicians, and that's the other thing I've sort of found out because I've been, you know, I've been a swindler for like 23 years now, and I've seen all, you know, so many local bands and so many young bands come up. But to think you've got like four or five people with that talent all somehow got together in the early 70s in a small town. This is a small town. There's some brilliant musicians around, but there's not brilliant musicians in groups of four or five, if you know what I mean. And that's yeah. that's what oh, they're all so different, but they're all so good in their own right. You know, it's it's uh, it's a unu- it's it's unusual, you know. Yeah, no, that's right. And so many of these things are, are, are down to synchronicity, isn't it? And just being in the right place at the right time. And you know, what if Paul McCartney hadn't bumped into John Lennon? You know, the the, the world would be a different place. That's right. Who who knows what all of them have done on their own? But I think they all would have done. They all would have done something musically. They're all you know. They would have found their way of doing their own music. The fact that they got together, you know, they, that really did. Uh, yeah, and you know, no one. You know, this is a small town. No one really has come anywhere near to their kind of level of success um, since they're not as a band anyway. So uh, since Diana Dawes, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but um, and, and I suppose you must have seen that what your, your in fact your entry point with with Andy and Barry and Monstrance that you know that was a collaboration that nobody expected after the you know their, their long long history of, of Barry really only being an XCC for a very short period of time but sort of creating their sound early on. But again, you listen to Monstrance and you hear how in a way like minded they are in in the sense that they're both creative people um who can improvise alongside each other and create uh, really interesting stuff i think there's a real mutual respect between all of them actually for what they've what they've gone i mean that monstrance wasn't going to last longer than that but it was yeah i think andy and i think andy at that point was trying to get i mean it was, it was you know i don't think he said it himself so i don't put words in his mouth he's trying to get away from writing songs he wanted to do something improvised you know improvised and he bumped into Barry and I think that just I think yeah I think it was a yeah I think that was Andy trying to get away from the the from the song and going somewhere else and since when he's come back round again but um yeah interesting stuff not for the faint-hearted monstrance I think you'll agree (laughs) Well, yeah, because it's the nature of it. I mean, even even compiling it must have been a huge job oh. because it was just lots of improvisation, wasn't it? Oh, there was hours of the stuff, hours and hours of the stuff, and a scenario with noisy record. Oh, it was it was a yeah, it was a long. Probably uh, the tale of monstrance is probably for another time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, I'll have to come back. That's a long story that one. Um, but you know it that. What I that was how I met Andy. So we from that point, and therefore that's how I met Jen, and it, it opened up this whole new kind of way. And therefore, once I met them, I met Colin and Barry and everyone. So it was a uh, yeah, it was um, it was it was an interesting time. That as somebody who's contributing to this whole process, you're sometimes billed as a mixer, you're sometimes billed as a producer, you're sometimes billed as a as a bassist and 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 a keyboard player and a guitar player. Um, I, I, is the um, do, do all of those jobs sort of morph into each other, or do, do you see them as sort of distinct jobs? I mean, particularly, some, I'm thinking about something like mixing and producing uh, to the layman, and and the, 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 you know that distinction between an engineer, a producer, a, a, um, and and a mixing a desk operator. That the, 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 there's a continuum there, at least I think. Do, are they all part of the same job to you? Well, yeah, I came. So I come from being a musician. I come from playing guitar. That's my, and then sort of bass, and then I got into the tech technology from like working this band the future i thought oh i can 
do this with computers, and it was like a light bulb went on. We I, um, now Andy came from the more traditional route in the studio, where you know, like microphones and, and desks. I don't come from that way at all. I, I learned on computers. So, I, so me and Andy kind of met in the middle. I was coming from more sampling kind of way. He was coming from a traditional um, way. But I think the best description of a producer you can have, which I suppose I am, is that you've got to be the blank card in Scrabble. So if you need someone to play the bass, we'll pick up the bass. If you need someone to help with the lyrics, we'll get the pen out and work with them. If you need the harmonies, get on the key, work out what notes someone can sing. So I, I, I'm not very, I'm not really very good at, at anything, but I'm quite good at lots of things. I'm not a good, I'm not a great engineer. I'm not a great mixer. I'm not a great guitar, but I, I can sort of have a go at lots of different things. And um, that's, I think that's. That's the skill, an all you know, an all round skill, rather than a say, you know, like virtuoso guitarist, which I'm mm-hmm. not at all. And I get the. Am I right in thinking with the three club men, you are all of those things in particular? I mean, it seems to be like push, pushing all of your skills. In. Yeah, that's why I like it. That's that's what all the all. The, yeah, I tend to. I, I, in fact, about a year ago, to, last year, last summer, I stopped doing everything for other people. So I'm just going to do stuff that I really want to do now. What should I do? Ah, I need to finish the two, the three clubmen. So that was the, <laughs> that was almost like a um, stop doing, you know, because a lot of stuff, you're mixing stuff or producing stuff you don't really like. And it comes just, so I'm just trying to, I only want to do stuff now I love. So involved in every aspect of it, you know. Not singing, unfortunately. I, don't, I never really pushed myself on that. But I just like, I just like making things, I like making music with people. You know, I like. The, I think I like people. It's the people I like. You know, and trying to capture them in a, you know, in a way that they sound great, and everyone, th- everyone else thinks, you know, that's a, it's a magic. I've never managed to do it on any kind of um, successful level, but that's the. That's a joy in making a great record. You just cap- you just capture some brilliant people in a room at that point. I mean, it's it's, it's a it's a fascinating subject because you see the a really great band. We hear you know a great record, but you see that band played, and it's never the same as that one day where it was just right. You know, it's to, it's yeah. a moment in time. A record. I'm wondering as well in terms of taste. It's um, I know that you you do, well. You were just saying that you started off as you know selling records and and presumably therefore being exposed to a huge amount of music and a huge range of music. It, it do you have very broad tastes or uh, you know is is this the kind is 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 this the stuff that we've just been talking about? Is that your kind of music or are you sort of moving into unfamiliar territory? I've I've always been interested in how it how it work so like chords and um you know from from the actually the theories and then how actually different music different genres are constructed so what was good about having a record shop that everyone who came in was an expert on their genre so i'll be just talking to somebody about early scar and then some old jazz and then someone who's into 90s early 90s hip-hop so bit same again bits of bits of all of it is interesting and that's what carried on with the production so because of my teaching work some kid will say oh, how do you get that drum sound off so and so and I said well I've absolutely no idea but then I'll go on the internet and research it and before I know it I've gone down that rabbit hole for you know like you know like you say recognise the beef art well I've, I've had a yeah a beef art stage and then there's the, you know any, every genre that's possible I've had a I've had a go at trying to unpack it really how does that work why does that rhythm sound like that and why does that sound like that and obviously Andy's got a great understanding of all that a fantastic understanding of of music in different genres and how chords work together you know very good at that really good at yeah. that structures yeah. yeah the first time I think one of the first time we went out we sat in a pub and every record comes on a jukebox he'll say listen to the reverb listen to that and we just unpick music so on our it was really great so the first few years of Andy from sort of monstrance onwards up to gonwards and you know probably the, the 10 years he'd come down at least one day a week often two we just sit make music but then listen to music and try and unpick it why is this so good listen to that snare sound what's that chord there and just you know and then make each other laugh and then go to the pub that was the <laughs> so it was it was a, it was, a, it was an absolute education well let's talk about it in the past it's been absolute education in you know how music works Really, yeah. from the mind of Andy Partridge, which obviously is different than 
other people. <laughs> I see <laughs> Everybody it. else's mind. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's been yeah, good. It's yeah. been good. And and it's that open mindedness that impresses me. Not actually, I mean, yes, with all of the members of XDC, but also with someone like Stephen Wilson. You know, pe- pe- people who um, might be ploughing a particular furrow, but when you start talking to them as musicians, you realise that they have have listened and, and absorbed other furrows as well and they've and they've maintained their creativity i suppose because they are not shutting doors they are saying well you know maybe we could do a bit of funk maybe we could do a bit of disco maybe we could do a bit of um uh heavy metal or whatever but that they're not ruling anything out whereas i don't know i suppose i find that interesting because of uh the ta- the the age i am really it was a it, you know when i was at school you were either a a, a rocker or you were a, into new wave or somewhere it, it it didn't it didn't you weren't really allowed to have taste feet in both camps but um that seems to be very uncreative and and much more productive to keep yourself open to other possibilities yeah i think i think you're absolutely right yes talking about stephen wilson he's a he's of a similar sort of mind really he, he's up for anything he's open to any ideas I've, you know i've met him a few times listening to the uh surround sound mixes yeah very open very very uh, yeah and you're right it was you were in in the 70s when i was it, you and you and your little tribes weren't you weren't allowed to listen to anything else i don't think that's like that anymore at all actually i think the inter, that's one good thing of the internet everyone just picks and their own little avenue now and it can be yeah i i you know when i first used to start records certain people would only buy say rockabilly records or only buy scar records from 1963 to you know um and it just seems so restrictive you know really i but i don't i don't get it i just like bits of everything you know little bits of everything Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. yes i mean i also think it the other way around that if you were in I don't know a country and western band or a reggae band. You know, and you might be fantastic, but it, I think I would just get a bit bored. You think, well, can't we play something else? Can't we do some other other thing? And uh, and one of the nice things about XCC uh, is that you can't categorize them. You can't put them in one genre or another genre. They're just music. Yeah, yeah, that's that's their their strength. It's it's just that middle ground. It makes it harder to market i think you know i think for record companies i like to say oh this band's like this i think it's very hard if you sit in the middle what what on earth is this and maybe that's why they're not as successful as they should have been you know you know because it didn't kind of fit anywhere you could put a put a um a name on it and and if you could it'd be different the next time around and and Yeah, yeah yeah so it does make it very difficult to market but i think you know the 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 really great musicians of all of our time the people like miles davis and and people like that they they would just move forward every time they would annoy the people who they'd just left behind on the last one but that didn't stop them trying new stuff so the best musicians just do music they don't get stuck in a genre they happen that happens to be the genre they start with because that's what they learned when they were teenagers but after that it's all open isn't it it's all open Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and thinking about sitting alongside andy partridge and jen olive at different times or whether you you're doing it over the internet what's it like when one or other of them comes up with an idea do do they surprise you oh yeah yeah absolutely absolutely i just yeah, you know, there's a lot of wow moments. Wow, what? Did, where did that come from? With Andy, often I've been, actually been in the room where he'll grab a guitar and um, and he's, you know his mind's working so fast. Um, it's hard to keep up sometimes. Yeah. But I've learned, you know, sometimes he'll be saying, and I kind of know what he's thinking now because we've spent so long sat next to each other. Jen, me and Jen haven't spent that much time actually making music in the room. We did a fair bit on the her album, The Breaks. That was a lot of that was done here. Yeah, you know, I think Jen's got her own system of layering. I don't know how she does it. I don't know how she does it because there's chords. She sings chords that I didn't know existed. You know, there's, you know, it's just like someone's put all the, played all the notes on a piano all at the same time, sung all of them, but somehow it sounds all right. I don't know. I've never, I've tried to work out what the, but there, yeah, there's um, there's a thing in she sings in. Look at these stars. There's a note in the chorus she sings, and she sings two notes in the harmony. Which don't really, they do go together. Very odd, very odd to put these two notes together in a in a harmony. But she seems to just be able to pull these things off. It's um, really good at that. Yeah, beautiful quality to it then as well. And when when you're mixing, I think if her vocals in particular, when you're mixing that, is it um, what problems is it or joy does it give you to make those uh, combinations? 
work so that you you know the backing vocals aren't too loud or the you know the mix with everything it, you can oh. you can hear it all because there's so much so much material actually for you know it's the same problem with SDC there's too many ideas. <laughs> this is why it's taken so long. This is why it's taken because I've been going in there tweak te- tweaking these these vocals. I mean Jen layers and they kind of work. She's worked out in her head, but still there's so many options. How high do you have the the last one? And for something race car, there's all these different parts. And main problem was to make sure that one wasn't louder than the other. So it's, it's kind of sounds all balanced and then Andy's guitars have to yeah and I and I'm quite sort of disorganized and messy so it takes a long time to kind of get it all sitting up you know till it's actually oh, I think that's about done really but there's no kind of process of like sort of almost like move it's almost like the bits of collage you know bits of sound collage are moving around till ah oh, that's perfect and I don't know why that just has to be at that Volume. Andy said something in, about this. It's like we we're all throwing paint at a canvas. The three of us. That's sort of the musical thing. And then <laughs> we go in there, we throw paint, and then we go back and have a look. Is there anything in the forest of noise that? Oh, that's good. I like that. You know that that's the process. I think it's like all throwing our own colours in, and then trying to merge it together afterwards. Um, just because that's, that was the bit I've probably done more of that side of it, but they've been there more of the front end of it. And then because because Andy's got such a precise um, ear for music, is he a hard taskmaster to to work for? When from the production and, and mixing side, are you coming back and has he is he giving very precise, uh, detailed feedback about uh, what you've come up with? Oh, absolutely! Re- Andy's got amazing ears. He can hear, yeah, he can hear stuff that, uh, and I, you know. It's been great training for me because when when I uh, I can remember thinking about two thousand and five that I was you know get, I was getting better at production, but I, they never sounded very good. Really, I knew they didn't sound very good because I was I was making such shoddy equipment in you know in, in a room in a house. I hadn't built the studio then, and you know, I was just sort of learning how to do it. And then um, I remember thinking, oh, if only I can meet someone who's really good with compression and EQ and reverb. And then almost within weeks, I bumped into Andy, and he was just you know gave me this education in in mixing from his perspective what he'd learned by sat next to all these great mixers but i think i've learned his look, he's got certain techniques he likes certain sounds you know i don't agree we don't agree on lots of things you know i mean i would i would have a different sort of th- thoughts on eq but we we do agree on an awful lot as well um what just what sounds good and and uh it was just, you know, when we were working on Gone, was it'd, it'd spend, one of the things he said, he you know, wanted to try every compressor I had on Peter Blakebad's voice. So we just went through, he, he, he'll he go to such detail and it's been really good for me because I'm actually quite slapdash. And so um, it's, it's kind of, um, he's kind of stri- made me a bit more systematic in my production, should we say. Um, must yeah. be good, but it's, it's, uh, can you, I imagine in that situation you, you can just be overwhelmed with choice. And and I'm thinking of Todd Rundgren's approach, which was, as some might say, is a bit more slapdash. But but his line would be, oh well, you know, the average listener can't tell whether it's this compressor or that compressor, and it's got it's got to be it's got to sound like one thing. So let's just do this and move on. Um, do, yeah. Are you attracted to that way of thinking? I, if I'm sort of left to my own device, I'll just kind of go on instinct. But what has been great with working with Andy is that we have done that. It's, it's always really enjoyable because we'll go in. It'd be like I would love to spend time on, on work and understand more about compressors. So when Andy's here, that's what we can do. And I'll kind of, oh, by the end of it, I've, I'm further ahead with my understanding. Um, so just just working with someone really, really with good ears and really, really good understanding of of, of the old technology, rather rather than the new technology, that was that was yeah. great because I didn't understand that. I learned, I knew the new technology, not the old technology. So we kind of met. Like I said we met in the middle, and had some, you know, and just had a we laughed a lot. Really, we, we, the whole thing's been <laughs> been very funny. The whole thing. All, there's characters involved. There's all these characters we invent, and Gonwards was very funny. It's all been it's all been funny. It's all been funny. Uh, yeah, I imagine Blackfad is very. I've never met him, but I I'm, I presume that he's a very funny person. Oh, very droll. Yes, yes, um, yeah. I pick Andy up at eleven. Pick Peter up to the train station at eleven thirty, and we come back. It very and also. Andy's a real creature habit. I'm a real creature habit. We'd always have lunch exactly the same time in the day. We'd finish at five and go to the Los Gatos or the Roaring Donkey. It was like, you know, like a traditional working day, you know, like a, a 
lunch and coffee and chatting and then back to work. So, um, yeah, I learned, I've learned a lot of, of that. But, yeah, just hilarious company. Very, very witty, very funny man, Peter Blakefair. Yeah. Very funny. Yeah, yeah. So one final question then, I guess. What's the, um, what are your hopes for the three club men? Is, is this going to be the beginning and the end of it? After, although a rather delayed beginning of it, but, uh, or, or might more happen? I think we'll have to wait and see how it, how it goes because there is more. We could do more. What has made me realise is, you know, I'm going to carry on doing stuff as a label myself. You know, Andy asked me to put this out myself, which I'm doing, and I'm kind of, it's, it's good. He's forced me into setting up what I do as a label. So I just want to, I'll put something else next. Might be another free clubman thing, might be some other project that I've got hanging around on my me, on me hard drive. Don't know. You know, often I'll often have 17 simultaneous projects on the go. So I'm trying to do one. This is, the, I think that's why it's getting finished because I'm just for once in my life going to do one project, which is the three clubman until it's bloody done. I just hope people like it, really. That's, that's, um, I know not everyone will, obviously not, but, um, yeah, I think, I think there's enough in it that people say, you know, they can hear that it was a, it was a, it was a good project to do. Good to finish. Yeah. But we'll I'm, see. I'm, I'm, I'm one of them. I've got, well, you've got one fan at oh, least. that's good. Start, that's great. Sorry. That's good. <laughs> That'll do. That'll do. Um, great. Thank you very much for that. Yeah. Brilliant. Thanks for doing this, Mark. Yeah. It's really been really no, good. thank you. Thank you for recording. Thank you for finally getting it out. <laughs> yeah. Like, it's been nice. I've wanted to talk, you know, I, I've sort of known that, um, I've been around the XTC, you know, like say camp for a long while and it's kind of good to talk about it all actually because it's been a great, it's been real interesting. What do you call that noise? Thanks very much again to Stu Rowe. There's more of that kind of thing coming up from Jen Olive and Andy Partridge in the next two episodes. And you can order the Three Club Men EP from burningshed.com. Thank you once again to everyone who has supported the podcast on Patreon, who you can join at patreon.com forward slash Mark Fisher. And thanks in particular to the following nights in shining karma. Terry Arnott, John Bicknell, Kevin Burt, Lorenzo Chachi, Cale Corbett, Liam Duggan, Jamie Dunn, Jeff Farris, Leslie Gooch, Mike Grafe, Robert Graham, Stephen Hope, Alan Hughes, Marek Krauss, Jesper Kumberg, Robert Lawlor, Dennis LeCourier, Liz Lynch, Marie Meikle, Yusuf Murrah, Karen Neal, Jeff Nicholson, Amy Parkinson, Mark Reed, James Reimer, Simon Slatehom, Michael Sutcliffe, Mark Thomas, Nigel Waller, and Martin Whitley. Great to have you all on board, and I'll be back next week with another ridiculous tie knot. <laughs>